everybody, Pastor Chris here. Thanks for listening to our Market Street Podcast. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope today's message helps you in your walk with Jesus. For more ways to connect, visit us at marketstreetchurch.org. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Did I ever say that? Okay, good. Good morning. So, um... Thanks for being here. Thanks for coming this morning. Um, So we are talking about a brand new series uh, that we call uh, Revelation Over Resolution. Revelation Over Resolution. So I don't know about you, uh, but maybe you have made some resolutions uh, this year. Does anybody want to acknowledge the fact? Anybody want to say that if you... No, no, no one. Okay, you're like, no, that's not me. That's not me. Good, 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 good. Well, it's not a bad thing either. It's not a bad thing either. But because uh, as you probably already know, you probably already know that only um, about 8% of the people who make a resolution actually follow through with that resolution. Only uh, 8, 8%. Um, some, some interesting facts about uh, resolutions. They, they were started um, by the Babylonians. And we're, a lot of us are familiar with that that. Uh, you know, empire, the Babylonian uh, empire, okay? Uh, that's where Daniel, you know, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that story uh, is surrounded by uh, that empire, the Babylonian empire. They, they're the ones that actually started New Year's resolutions. Theirs were uh, to, to uh, at the start of the year, uh, they would have an 11-day festival, and, and theirs, their motivation was to appease their gods, uh, they had a pantheon of gods, and that was their motivation to appease their gods. And so uh, they would they would uh, kind of try to get their act together um, and and make some resolutions. So it started there. The Romans, the Roman Empire, which is the time of of Jesus, and uh, when the, when our scriptures were written, our New Testament scriptures were written, the Romans ad- adopted or adapted uh, those resolutions as well. And so it was it was carried on by the Romans. To, again, with the you know ambition uh, to appease uh, their gods. Um, some other you know interesting facts about that is in America, um, our resolutions are often uh, different than the rest of the world around the world. Um, our resolutions are more about results. That's what our resolutions are. We want are more about you know what the results are um, around the world. They're they're more of like practices or, or, or habits, but it's not necessarily focused on the results. And, and so, like, um, for example, maybe a, a kid would say, um, an American kid would say, you know, my goal is to, is to make straight A's. That's my goal. Um, and around the world, uh, they would say it a little bit differently. They would say, um, my goal is just to have better study habits. So I know it's just semantics, but uh, the difference is when, when it comes to America, it's about, it's about the results, results-driven. Uh, um, yeah, those are some facts about resolutions. Um, oh, let me give you some, uh, what are the top ones? What are the top ones? You probably um, already know this. Uh, diet, exercise, weight loss, right? Uh, read more, learn something new, save money, be a nicer human, get a new job, Give more time and money to charity, drink less, sleep more, make new friends. So these are some of the, uh, the top ones. Oh, it's interesting too, uh, the internet did a study. So this is not like a sociological thing, but the internet uh, did, a, did a study. Um, and, and what that happened was is that Google, based on a study that they made around the world of people who would send in you know, their resolutions. So Google sort of uh, ana- uh, analyzed that and they broke it down into uh, different categories like health, love, career, finance, education. 
And so they looked at the map. So Google looked at the map based on resolutions that they got, you know, around the world. And they looked at the map and they put them into different categories. And, it said, and, and when it comes to the U.S., uh, health-related resolutions were predominant uh, in, in the U.S. Um, also, uh, let's see, in, in Australia and Japan, uh, what they discovered was is that looking for love uh, was a priority for them. In Russia, education. Uh, and in India, were, were career. Career was uh, their top resolution. So, so just, just some different resolutions. But for us, for us, resolutions, they're good, right? And, and if you make resolutions, it's good to have some res, res, resolutions. But listen, listen for us, we, we need to have a revelation, a revelation. Uh, what, what does that mean? What does that look like? Well, um, we're, we're going to look at, over the next couple weeks, we're going to bo- look at the book of Revelation. I know, like, we, we hear about the book of Revelation, we're thinking, oh my goodness, what in the world? You know, that sounds scary. I mean, I read some of that. I don't understand it. I don't get it. Listen, the book of Revelation is meant to be written for those who need some encouragement. It's meant to be written for those that need courage, that need their, their faith to be strengthened. And, and that was what it was written for. And so when we go through this, we're going to look at, uh, in the book of Revelation, specifically we're going to look at seven churches. We're going to look at seven churches over the next number of weeks. Seven churches of what, what Jesus personally had to say to, some, to seven churches, these local churches, which is, which is interesting and cool to think about, like that Jesus, you know, is interested in every local church. Every local church matters. He obviously, he, he loves the, the global church, but he's interested in every single local church. So it begins in Revelation, chapter number uh, one, verse one. This is the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show to his bondservants the things which must be soon take place, and he sent and communicated it by his angel to his bondservant, John. And so this was a unique situation that happened with John, who, who wrote this. Who John was a, you know, an apostle. He was one of Jesus' 12. Uh, he, was, he was known as like, you know, the, one of the most beloved apostles. He was a part of Jesus' inner circle of, of three. John was given the responsibility of taking care of Jesus' mother. Uh, when Jesus was, was uh, hanging on that cross, he, he looked at John and he, and he asked John essentially to take care and to watch over his mother, and that's what, he did. that's what he did. The word revelation, it means simply this. Revelation, to become visible. To become visible. That there's some, there's some things, that we, we live in a physical world, right? And there's some things that we see, but we also, we're also spiritual beings. We're, we're spiritual beings, and there's some things in a spiritual world that we can't see that needs to become visible. Visible. That's why we need to have a revelation over resolution because when it comes to resolutions, it's a lot about physical. It's a lot about physical diet, exercise, you know, sleep more, you know, drink less, eat better, you know, those kind of things. It's about it's about the physical that we put. But what we need, what we need, what we need is a revelation that for the spiritual things to, to be opened, that we need to have spiritual eyes to see what's actually happening, what's actually going on. We need to pull the curtain away on the physical and see what God wants to do in and through you when it comes to our spiritual life. And so that's what it's about. It's about just allowing it to become visible. And the book of Revelation is, is essentially reveals truth 
to the global church. So it reveals truth to the, to the global church. It, 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 you, if you've read it before, it, you know, you'll see things like you know, that you know, sin does harm. Sin does harm. And, and holiness is the best way to live a truly fulfilling life. That's what, it will, that's what we'll, we'll look at a lot. It, it also, we also will see how you know, that Jesus is quickly coming again. You, you need to know that. He's quickly coming again. He, it, it, it describes over and over, and we're going to look at that here today. He will soon be coming. He will soon be coming. Um, you, we get to see in the book of Revelation, we get to see what's actually happening in, in heaven right now. There's a, there's a window that, that we get to look through, and we get to see what is currently happening. And right now, in the throne room of God, Worship is taking place. They're declaring to God Almighty, you know, that He's the first and He's the last. He's the He's the Almighty. He's the Holy God. He's He's in charge and sovereign and authority over everything. And in, in, in heaven, right now, right now, they are worshiping Him, and He is on a throne and in full control. And we get to see. That's happening now. That's happening now. And so the book of Revelation reveals truth to the global church that you're a part of something much bigger than a, a, your little kingdom. You're a part of a bigger, a grand, a beautiful kingdom. We get to see that, that one day after he comes back again, that there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. And in that place one day where we're going to be, if you know Jesus, there is no more sorrow, no more pain, no more fear, no more struggle, no more stress, no more hurt, no more disease, no more... I mean, come on, is this good news for all of us? Are you, are you with me right now? In heaven, in heaven heaven there are creatures and there are people who are giving him all glory praise and honor because of what is being revealed and what is being seen to them right now the reality of the spiritual world and we need to pull back this curtain and we need to see this because when we do when we do we will be stronger when it comes to our faith we will have more courage we will have more boldness and we will walk knowing that the enemy has been defeated. Which, by the way, is what the book of Revelation ultimately reveals. That the enemy is defeated. The strength of Jesus and the strength of his church cannot, he, he cannot overcome that. The, the gates of hell will not prevail over that. Come on, anybody encouraged right now? Anybody want to attack hell with a squirt gun right now? That's exactly what you need to have and feel right now because it's, it's, it reveals truth to the global church. It also reveals truth to the local church. It also reveals truth to the local churches. And I just want to, I just want to pause right here. for This is like, this gives me so much reassurance that in heaven right now, where God is being worshipped, he still has Market Street Church on his mind. Like, he's, he's aware of this moment. He's in tune to this gathering. And those that are in the room or those that are watching from home and say, I'm a part of this local ministry, God is watching and God has it in his care. 
And we're not some insignificant people who gather on 309 Market Street at 10 a.m. on Sunday morning, and God isn't in tune to that because he's very well aware. He's very well aware. And we know that because he, he specifically had messages to specifically seven local churches. And here his messages were to the church in Ephesus that they were the loveless church. They, they lost their first love. That was a, a, he wanted to just encourage them to say, hey, listen, you have opportunity to, to repent and to, and to find that first love. And, and he says to another church, the uh, the Smyrna, in Smyrna, that they were the, he, he recognized that they were a persecuted church, that they were being persecuted, they were being, they were, you know, being mistreated for their, for their belief in Jesus. Uh, another church, uh, Pergamum, the, the, they, were the, they were the worldly church. They let some, they let some worldly compromise into their, into their local church. And so he was letting them know, listen, you've, you've let some, some worldliness come in. And another one, Thyatira, they were the, they were had, they had some wrong doctrine. Church, they had their doctrine was was mixed up. Their 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 understanding of of, of the Bible uh, was 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 you know askew. And so they he Jesus said, listen, I want them to know that they they have some mis misdoctrine. They they missed some places that where they misunderstood what the, what the scripture is saying. So they had some the wrong doctrine. Um, another one is this church in Sardis, uh, and they were a spiritually dead church. There is no life in that church. They were just spiritually dead. And then, and then probably the most, or Philadelphia, was they were a spiritually alive church. So we can, we're going to look at what does it look like to be spiritually alive? What kind of, you know, so we, we get the privilege. And then the last one is the church in Laodicea, and they were the lukewarm church. They were the lukewarm church. I mean, so, so here, here are these, these churches that some, you know, God said, listen, you, you've, you've got some things to work on. You got some things that you have to fix. There's some things that you got to repent of, and then he's to some he's saying, "You you are like you're like doing a great job. You're doing well here, but not well here. You you got it happening, working out here. You got it working out here. Listen, the, our our goal is that we want to be like the Church of Philadelphia, right? We want to be like the spiritually alive church. That's what we want to be. That's what we want to be. And so we get to privilege. We get a, a revelation, a spiritual revealing of what we can be." As a, as a people, as a people. Not only, it's not just about you individually. It's, a, it's, about, it's about us together. We as a people, a part of a kingdom called an ecclesia, which is a church, a gathering in his name for his glory's sake. And we want to be a people who are alive. And doing and thriving and reaching people and allowing people to see the hope that they can be that can be, that can be found in Jesus. That's what we want to. That's what we want to be. That's what we want to be. And so, it's not only just a revelation to the global church, but it's a revelation or a revealing to the local churches. And what do we need to do? How do we need to be, be better together, together? How do we need to be better together? Well, John, as I mentioned, I, John, he says, John wrote this. Your brother and fellow participant in the tribulation and kingdom and perseverance in Jesus was on the island called Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. Now, John wasn't on a tropical island 
of a vacation. This is not what this looks like. John was not, you know, putting the suntan lotion on and sitting on the, you know, the beach of Patmos and taking in the sun, you know, and having his drink with his umbrella in it. You know, like this wasn't what John, John was exiled to the island of Patmos. He was probably somewhere, I don't know, in his in his 90s, 80s, 90s, uh, he was an old man, um, and he was because of, he just says, because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus, he was sent there as a punishment. It was a, it was a Roman uh, territory, uh, and he was sent there basically to cut rock. It was just hard, laborious work uh, that, that John had to endure. And so I, I love how John describes himself, because remember, this is the Apostle John. This is the Apostle John. This is, this is the John who is one of Jesus' 12. This is the John who John describes himself as in his own gospel writing, the gospel of John, as the one whom Jesus loves, right? Uh, the audacity of that, right? Like, I'm the one whom Jesus loves. You, you know, I, I always say this. You know why John could say that I'm the one whom Jesus loves? Because he was the one whom Jesus loved. You know why you can say, I'm the one whom Jesus loves? Because you are one who Jesus loves, right? Right? And so John, he didn't say anything that wasn't true. That's why it was still recorded in the, in the inerrant, you know, perfect scriptures. He said something that was true, but it's also true about you. And it's true about me. I'm the one whom Jesus loves, and you're the one whom Jesus loves. But anyway, so John, not the, he doesn't say, I'm the apostle John. I'm the beloved. I'm the one who Jesus loves. I'm one of the 12. I'm, the, I'm one of them that was in the inner circle. You know, there was, there was Peter, and then there was James, and then there was John. There was three of them that were part of Jesus' inner circle that they got to see Jesus do some amazing things that other, that other disciples didn't get. And we don't really know why, but Jesus just included them into that. But John was one of them. He was one of them. I mean, John took care of, I mean, think about this. He was responsible. Jesus trusted him with his earthly mother. I mean, what a responsibility. I mean, come on. I mean, what, what a privilege that is. But said John, but John doesn't say, I, John, an apostle, or I, John, one of the inner circle, or I, John, you know, one of, you know, one of the, you know, the one who took care of Jesus' uh, earthly mother, Mary. He doesn't say that. He says, I, John, am your brother. I'm your brother. And I'm a fellow participant in what? In tribulation, in hardship, in difficulties, in challenges. And John was saying, listen, here's what's true about everybody. Here's what's true about everybody. We all have hardships. We all have challenges. We all have difficulties. And John is saying, just because I was an apostle or just because I was one of the 12 or just because I was in the inner circle or just because I was given responsibility to take care of Jesus's mother didn't exempt me from experiencing hardships and difficulties and tribulations. He's like, I'm a participant just like you. And they went through it. You think, we think sometimes we are going through it. We think sometimes, you know, we're struggling or having hard times. I'm telling you, to be a Christian at this time, it was tough. 
It was tough. There was a Roman Caesar Domitian. It was his name. He went by Emperor Caesar Domitian. And he hated Christians. He hated Christians. And, and some, there's some reasons why they were going through some tribulations. Can, you, can I put them up? Reasons for the persecuted churches. Political reasons. You know why Domitian hated Christians? Because they, Christians, wouldn't bow their knee to the government. They wouldn't bow their knee to the political. They, they, were, they, they didn't see them as their ultimate supreme authority. They, on, they honored the scriptures. They honored the scriptures and they, they honored authority who was placed over them, which is a responsibility that we have as Christians to honor and respect our governing authorities. But they didn't see them as their ultimate authority. They didn't get... Cu- They didn't get caught up in who was emperor or who was Caesar and who was going to be this new Caesar. They didn't involve themselves with that. Why? Because it didn't matter to them. It didn't matter to them. They didn't get involved in the political landscape of their day. It wasn't important to them and it bothered the Roman government and it bothered the emperor Caesar because they didn't care less. Why? Because they knew. They knew a truth. This is not my home. This is not my home. This is, I'm a, I'm a citizen uh, here, but my primary citizenship isn't here. It's in heaven. They didn't get caught up in the mess. They didn't get caught up in the, in the, in the, in the scandals. They, didn't get, they could care less about it. And they brought persecution as a result of it. And the other reason why is because religiously, Religiously, they're like, we're, we're meeting, they, they didn't go to the, you know, the, they didn't go to the temple anymore. They didn't worship on Saturdays anymore. They didn't soc- sacrifice animals anymore. They, they, didn't, they, didn't, they didn't care. They could care less religiously of why, you know, of, of anything like that. They, it didn't matter to them. They, they, they worshiped one invisible God. And they didn't give in to the pantheon of gods of, of, of Rome. They didn't care. They didn't, they didn't purchase idols. They didn't have idols. They just, they just had one God, one invisible God that they trusted. And so that brought about persecution for them. Another one was socially. Socially, reasons why they brought about persecution. They, they didn't get caught up in worldly amusements. They didn't give in to the world. They didn't do what the world was doing always. They just, they did, it didn't matter to them. They weren't entertained by the way that the Romans entertained or the Greeks entertained. They, didn't, they weren't entertained by that. And they viewed all people in a hierarchical system where, you know, where elite was, was, was in charge. They didn't give in to any of that. They said all people, all people are created equal and we will treat all people equally all people and it brought about persecution the, the, the another reason why they were persecuted these churches were persecuted was economically economically they they didn't purchase animals for sacrifices they they there were no more idols that were bought they they just were sharing what they had with each other and they would share with anybody who had a need and so they, were, they weren't producing in, in the economy the way that they once produced because they just weren't 
in getting themselves involved in all of that. And so that brought about hardships and persecution. As a matter of fact, Domitian came about it where he said, listen, if there's something not right, if there's something happening, anything wrong, he says, we're just going to blame the Christians and we're going to feed them to the lions. So if, if you think that you're being in tribulation because you're a Christian or you're being persecuted because you're a Christian, you should really consider what first century Christians were going through when it came to politically, religiously, socially, economically. Listen, they were, they were being fed to lions as a result of it. As a result of it. This is what was happening. The book of Revelation ultimately is about a, re a revelation of Jesus. That's what it's ultimately about. The revelation of Jesus Christ. That's what it's ultimately about. And for us to get our framework right, we need to see him in that way. We need to have a revelation of who Jesus is now. Who he is now. That's what we need to see. And so here in the book of Revelation, I just want to give you a couple verses that describe and to kind of give us a good framework of who Jesus is and who he, who he needs to be to us now. It says in verse uh, five, it says, and from Jesus Christ, and it begins to describe who he is. He's the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, the ruler of the kings of the earth. To him who loves us and released us from our sins by his blood. I mean, what a, what a description, right? He, what a description. He's the faithful witness. He's the faithful witness. In other words, when Jesus came, he came to faithfully and truly describe to us who God is. That God is Father. That God is compassionate. That God is kind. That God is gracious. That God is patient. That God loves you unconditionally. Listen, Jesus is the faithful witness of who God really is. And when you see how Jesus is, you can see how our heavenly father is to all of us. And he was a faithful witness of that. It says he was the firstborn of the dead. Firstborn of the dead. What does that mean? It means that because of the resurrection of Jesus, because of the resurrection of Jesus, you and I, when we die, we will rise again when we put our faith in Jesus. He's the firstborn of the dead. And you and I, when we put our faith in him, you and I are resurrected into a new life, right? Good news, right? This is who Jesus is. He's the faithful witness. There's a God who loves you. There's a God who wants to be a father to you. There's a God that shows patience and compassion to you, but he's the, he's the firstborn of the dead. He paved a way for us to have eternal life. And he's the ruler of all the kings of the earth. I don't know what king or president or any kind of monarchy or whatever system, hierarchical system that is set up in this world, Jesus is the king and ruler over them all. He is sovereign and he is in control. And we need to pull back the physical realm and we need to pull back what we see or what we hear or what we read about and we need to pull that back and we need to see Jesus the way that Isaiah saw God and that was high and lifted up high and lifted up. He will be exalted among the world. He will be exalted among the nations. All kings and all people will bow to him, right? 
see him that way. He's ruler. He's a faithful witness. And he's the firstborn of the dead. And, and he loves us. Go back. I'm sorry, Go, Kathy. Sorry. And he loves us and released us from our sins by his blood. That's worth a clap, don't you think? Come on, people. He loves you, and he loves you so much that he left his rightful place in heaven to come to this earth to die on a cross for your sins and for my sins. And, and as a result of putting our faith in him, you are released. You are released from your sins. And it's by his shed blood, you and I are healed. And as a result of that, look what it says, next, next verse. And he made us, and he made us into a kingdom, priest to his God and Father, to him be the glory and the dominion forever and ever, amen. He made us, global church, local church. He made us a kingdom where Jesus is our ruler, and he is our king, and he is sovereign, and he is in control, and he's got us in his right hand. And he's made you and I collectively priests. Priests. That we, in other words, that means any one of us at any given time can come to the throne of grace. We can come to God anytime we want. It's not a priest that mediates between us and a holy God. No, it's you get access because you're now in his kingdom. You're now in his family. You and I are sons and daughters of God. Who, by the way, let's be reminded, who is the faithful witness. He is the firstborn of the dead, and he is the ruler of the kings of this earth. That's your father. That's your father. And we're in his kingdom. Boy, let's, let's have that revelation. Let's have that revelation. So when it comes to the nits, nit and the gritty of your life, the nuts and bolts of your life, when it comes to that, you have a heavenly father who is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. You have a heavenly father who loves you, loves you so much. Come on, come on, come on. He loves you so much that he sent his son to die for you, for you, so that you can be released and redeemed and a part of a bigger kingdom than your little itty-bitty kingdom that we want to be kings and queens of. We get to be a part of something bigger. And we get access we get access to the throne, to the throne, any time we want. And, oh, come on, come on. When we see what that throne room looks like, and you already know that you get access to that, you will respond just like John did. You will fall to your face as if you were dead and go, wow, I can't believe I get access to this any time I want. 
That's who we are. We're a kingdom. We're part of a kingdom. We're priests. So, what does that require of us? What does this require of us? Here's what John says. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show to his bondservants. Now, you want to be able to pull the curtain away, the physical curtain away, and see what's truly happening? To see the spiritual and to see the spiritual in your life? Here's what John says. He, want, he gave him to show to his bondservants the things which must soon take place, and he sent, communicated by an angel to the, to the bondservant, John. Okay? So, first thing, first thing. You want to be able to see the reality, spiritual reality, of what, what God wants to do in and through you and in, in your life as a part of his kingdom? Here's the first thing. First thing, be a bondservant. Be a bondservant. If, if, if in order for us to be able to pull that curtain away and, and clear our, our, our minds and our hearts from the, from the physical and, and the things that we are watching and listening to and believing and, 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 you know, and, and are being challenged by, he says, listen, you gotta be a bondservant. I wanna, I wanna show you some things that's what's actually happening. I want you to see that I am a faithful witness. I want you to see that I am the firstborn of the dead. I want you to see that I am the ruler of the kings of this earth. And you can, you can be, your faith can be galvanized by that. You can walk with courage and confidence and boldness that at the end of the day, the victory is won, victory is ours to be had, right? So we gotta, we gotta see that. In order for us to be able to see that, we gotta be, we gotta be bond servants. We gotta be bond servants. My watch is thinking it's talking to it. Here's the definition. Here's the definition. Devoted to one another to the disregard of one's own interest. That's what it means to be a bond servant. To be devoted to one another to the disregard of one's own interests. This is what it means. So you're like, okay, be a bondservant. Oh, that sounds easy until I just gave you the definition, right? To be devoted to one another to the disregard of one's own personal interests. Where do we get that from? Where, where do we get that from? We get it from Jesus. We get that from Jesus. Here's what the Apostle Paul says. Philippians 2. Have this attitude. Okay, have this attitude in yourself, which was also in Christ Jesus. So we, this is a, a mindset. We have to have an attitude. Who, look at this says next, verse six. Who, as he already existed in the form of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. In other words, he was God and he said, you know what? I'm not gonna, I'm, I'm gonna leave heaven. I'm gonna leave my throne because I love the world. I love people and I want people to have a relationship with me. So he existed in the form of God but didn't consider equality with God something to be held onto. But instead he did this, verse seven. But emptied himself, but emptied himself taking the form of a, say with me, bondservant. He emptied himself by taking the form of a bondservant. Again, verse five, have this attitude 
in yourself. He didn't stay exalted as God. Instead, he left eternity, came, and he emptied himself, took on the form of a bondservant, and being born in the likeness of men, which we just went through Christmas, right? We understand what he did there. Being born in the likeness of men, verse 8. Being being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. You want to see Jesus for who he really is. You want to be Jesus who he really is in your personal life. It comes by having a new attitude and a new mindset. You want to pull away the curtain of the physical and what you see and how bleak this life is and you want to see the reality that you can walk in this victory, you have to become a bond servant. Being fully devoted to one another in disregard to your own interest. That was the attitude and that was the mindset of Jesus. That was his, his, his attitude, and that has to be ours. Emptied himself, emptied himself, and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. The Apostle Paul gives us another definition. For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus as Lord, and ourselves as your bondservants on the account of Jesus. And then he goes on to say this. For God who said light shall shine out of darkness is the one who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. So in other words, he says, Paul says, listen, my message is not about me. It's not propping me up. My message, my whole life is not about me. It's about, it's about the gospel. It's about Jesus my life, everything a part of my, everything in my life, my career, my finances, my relationships, my family, my kids, all of it, all of it is about Jesus. It's about making much of Jesus. That's what Paul's saying. He says, he says the reason is because God who, like, you know, the God in Genesis who said, let there be light. He says, just like God who said, light shall shine out of darkness is the one who is shown in our hearts. He's, he's show, he shined his light into, into my heart to give light and of the knowledge and of the glory of God in the face of Jesus. Paul saying, my life, it was once in darkness, but he shined his light into my dark heart. And it wasn't just for me to hold on to. It wasn't just for me to say, yeah, my Life, my heart was once dark, but now it's light. My life was once dead, but now I'm alive. Paul's going, That's, it's, not, it's not about me anymore. It's not about me anymore. It's about Jesus. And it's about letting people know who Jesus really is. And he says, just when he shined in my, life, my heart, I wanna give that light. I wanna give that light. I wanna give that knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus. In other words, here's what, he's, here's what he means. I don't want people to see me. 
I want people to see Jesus in me. Come on, priests. I'm going to just call you priests from now on. Priests, sons, daughters in the kingdom, the son and the daughter of the king. Come on. Let people see Jesus in you. Let people see Jesus in you for who he is. And you're thinking, just like Paul is, me? Not me. Not me. And then Paul just says, Let's look, look, look. But we, we, remember, he doesn't say, but you. No, he's talking to all of us, right? He's talking to the corporate. He's saying, but we, we have this treasure in earthen containers. In other words, we have the, the good news. We have light that shined in our hearts. We have the knowledge of, of Jesus and who he is. We have the, the solution to the world's problems. We have the fact that we were forgiven and redeemed and we didn't have to earn that or work for that. That, that was a, a gift of grace that was given to us and, and it was just through faith in that. Like, like We have this treasure in our earthen containers, in our, maybe you've heard of this version, in our jars of clay. Have you ever heard that version? In our jars of clay, that our bodies, our earthly bodies, this physical, that there's something, there's something far more significant about you than this earthen tr- container. There's something extraordinary 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 there's you by being a part of the kingdom and sons and daughters and and priests and there's something extraordinary about you it is this treasure that we have inside of our earthen containers so that the extraordinary greatness of the power will be of god and not of ourselves not of ourselves. Like God wants to, come on, God wants to do something extraordinary, not just in you, but in us. Not just in me, but in we. God wants to do something powerful and extraordinary. And listen, just you, just me? Ordinary. 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 But God in you? The Spirit of God in you? Extraordinary. Extraordinary. And what makes you extraordinary has nothing to do with ordinary you. It's all about the power of God in you. That's why Paul goes, I ain't preaching myself. I'm just ordinary. But what God wants to do in and through me and in and through we, that's extraordinary. That's extraordinary. So Paul says, listen, I want God to do something extraordinary in me. I want God to do something extraordinary in all of us. And in order for that to happen, Paul said, 
I've got to have the same mindset. I've got to have the same attitude that was in Jesus. I've got to have that same thing. And that is, I've got to be a bondservant. I've got to be a bondservant. Be a bondservant. Be a bondservant. The other thing is, I've got to get, I gotta get going. Be an open book. Be an open book. You, you ever hear people say that? Like, I'm an open book. I'm an open book. Ask me anything. I'm an open book. Okay? Be an open book. Be an open book. Here's what Revelation 1 verse 2 says. Who testified to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ. Everything that he saw. So, Paul, listen. Here's what God told um, John. who wrote. Here's what God told John. You just, you just, everything you see and everything you hear, you, I, want, I want you to just tell everyone. I want you to tell everyone. Just, I just want you to be an open book. I want you to be an open book. As a matter of fact, later on in the, in the, in the letter that he wrote, book of, uh, letter of Revelation to, to churches, and he said to, he said to me, do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is near. The time is near. He says in verse 11, let the one who does, does wrong still do wrong and the one who is filthy still be filthy and let the one who is in righteousness still practice righteousness and the one who is holy still keep himself holy. He's like, what in the world does that mean? What is he saying? He's like, we should, those who, you know, that are still doing wrong still do wrong and those who are, doing, are filthy still be filthy. Well, what does that mean? What does that mean? That means this. Here's what that means. That means, and this is an important phrase. Look, look what he says next, verse 12. Let me show you. Behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me to, the, to reward each one as his work deserves. Now, here's what he's saying. Here's what he's saying. We only have a short time left. We don't know how much time we have left until he comes back again. But when he comes back again, however you are living, that's how, that, it's too late. It's too late. So if you're, if you're, if you're living a filthy life, it, by, when he comes back again, that's the way that you're going to be found. If you're living an unworthy life, that's the way you're going to be found. If you're living a righteous life, that's the way you're going to be found. If you're living a holy life, that's the way you're going to be found. Because it, he's, it's going to happen in a, in a blink. He's coming quickly. It's, com, he's, it's coming again. And so however we're living, that's, that, that's going to be the result. That's going to be the result. So here's what he's saying to us. Here's what he's saying. We always need to be an open book. We always need to be transparent. Why? So that we don't let ourselves live ungodly lives. So we don't let ourselves live filthy lives. So that we don't let ourselves live a life that, is, that doesn't honor God. And if we continue to go, if we think, oh, I, I, have, an, I have another time or another week or another month or another year, you, you and I have no idea how much time we still have left. No idea. So just like the book of Revelation, we need to be an open book. We need to be an open book. That's the way that we need to be. The third thing, the final thing is this. Be blessed. Be blessed. And here's what, verse three, Revelation 1.3. Blessed is the one who reads and those who hear the words of the prophecy and keep the things which are written in it for the time is, is near. So look, look at it. Again, this is talking to a church, a local church, collectively. Blessed is the one who reads and then those who hear the words of the prophecy. So it's, it's corporate. It's corporate. But it's also for you individually as well. Those who read, those who hear, and those who keep the things which are written in the book. For the time is near. 
Again, we have no idea how much time we have left. Here, here's the advice that the Hebrew writer gave to all of us. Here's what he says in Hebrews 10, 23. Let's hold firmly to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is, is faithful, verse 24, and let's consider how to encourage one another in love and in good deeds. So let's, he says, let, let's consider how we can encourage, or another version says, let's consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. Then he says in verse 25, not abandoning our own meeting together as the habit of some people, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So here's the advice for the Hebrew writer. Again, this was written 2,000 years ago and their language 2,000 years ago was, behold, I'm coming quickly or behold, the day is drawing near that he's gonna come back again. This was 2,000 years ago. Now, it could be another 2,000 years, but here's what, I, here's what I know and here's what you know. It's a lot nearer from, than it was today than it was 2,000 years ago, right? That was a mind-blowing statement right there, right? So if they were saying 2,000 years ago that the day is drawing near, boy, I wonder if today the day is really drawing near. So what should we do? We need, we need to encourage one another. We need to spur one another on. We need to love each other and do good deeds for one another. Oh, by the way, don't abandon meeting together, as is the habit of some. He says, come on, church, local church, the day is drawing near. He's coming back again. And if you're living an unholy life, ungodly life, filthy life, however the way you want to describe it, that's what's going to happen. That's where you're going to be, and it's going to be too late. It's going to be too late. Right now, right this moment, I guess there's still time, but it can happen any second. It can happen any moment. So I would, and I need to, I need to start encouraging. I need to start encouraging people. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Live for Jesus, live for Jesus, live for Jesus, live for Jesus. Be a bondservant. He's the king He's our Lord. He, come on, come on. He's our faithful witness. That's who he is. You and I, we need to do the same. It's not just my job. It's your job, too. Encourage one another. Why? Because the day is drawing near. The day is drawing near. Here's the way that Peter says it. Peter says it this way. The end of all things is near. 2,000 years ago. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be of sound judgment and sober spirit for the purpose of prayer. We, we, we need to start praying for people. We need to start praying for people, okay? And he says, then he says this. Above all, above all, keep fervent in your love for one another. Keep loving one another because love covers a multitude of sins. Verse nine, be hospitable to one another without complaint. Be hospitable without complaining. Verse 10, as each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the multifaceted grace of God. Now, listen. This is exactly, this is exactly what God wants for us right now. Us right now. The time is near. The time is near. 
And it's time for us to say, hey, listen, I'm just going to be a bondservant. I'm going to be a bondservant. I'm going to be an open book. And ultimately, I just, I want to be blessed. Because blessed is, is the one. Blessed is the one who reads, who hears, and who keeps this word. This word. Encourage one another. Love one another. Pray for one another. We never know how much time we have left. Okay. So, thank you. Here's how we're going to put this into practice now. Okay? Here's what we're going to do. Today, and I'm about five minutes behind. Today, um, shoot. Okay. I know, I know, but I'm running out of time. I'm going to make, I got to make this quick. I don't have, I can't stay. And I, I'll get to say. I'll get there in a second. Okay, so 2018, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I gotta be brief with this. 2018, um, a, another church in our community was, out, was without a pastor, okay? Uh, they were called Wald Lake Missionary Church. They didn't have a pastor. I had um, some relationships with people from that church, and so they, without, when they were without a pastor, um, I would go there at 9.30 and I would preach, there at 9.30, and then when, was, when we had, um, pre, pre-pandemic, when we had an 11, so I went there at 9.30, preached, come over here, and preached here at 11. I don't know if you remember that or not. I did that for a number of months. Um, God gave me some rapport. Uh, God gave me some favor. I was able to uh, pastor some, some, some sweet people, um, love on some sweet people. They decided um, that they were going to go in another direction. They hired uh, a pastor. I, I actually thought in 2018 there was a possibility that I was going to pastor two churches in the same community, which I didn't have a, a solution or how that was going to work, but that was, a, that was a thought. It didn't go that way. It didn't go that way. They ended up hiring um, a guy, uh, you know, a, a you know, guy in his late 30s to come in. Super, super nice guy. He came in, he came into a tough situation. It was a, it was a, you know, difficult situation that he, that he came into. And then he got hit with a pandemic, which is just terrible, okay? The last two years, I'll just, I'll just be an open book. Can I just be an open book right now? The last two years have been very, very difficult to lead anything, let alone lead a church over the last two years. It's been very, very challenging, very challenging. I, I don't think, I feel like I haven't made anybody happy in any of the decisions. If I do one thing, it makes this side mad. If I do another thing, it makes the other side mad. It just, it just hasn't, so I, instead of feeling sorry for me, I just wanted to try to be an encouragement to this guy because he walked into a, a, a church, a, a, um, you know, a, a real struggling church and then got hit with a pandemic. So him and I started a relationship together. Him and I just talked, we, we would, you know, just sit down, just pray with each other, encourage each other, that kind of thing. So fast forward to recently, um, he came to me and said, hey, listen, um, we're pretty much near the end of having to close our doors. And so he said, I'm not somebody that can be a, what he described as a hospice care pastor. He, doesn't, he didn't want to nurse a dead or dying church to its death. It just wasn't something that he, he wanted to do. And so he said, he goes, so I, we have a couple options. Either I have to, 
I have to leave. I have to, you know, pick up my family and go uh, somewhere. And he's like, I trust God, trust God, wherever that is. He says, or, or would you be willing, would, would Market Street Church be willing to adopt us? Would you be willing to adopt our, our church? And so we met uh, last few months, we met as our leadership, our leadership of our church came together. We looked at, a lot, you know, spent a lot of time looking at a lot of different things, seeing if it was something that we can do. Um, we, based on a lot of prayer, a lot of numbers, financials, calculations, things, we feel like it's something that we can do. We can, we can um, adopt uh, this church. So um, they are, today, they are voting whether it's something that they want to do as a congregation. They're voting on that. It's part of their constitution. It's part of their bylaws. So they're voting at, at something. Um, it appears that it's something that's going to move forward. It's going to happen. It appears that that's going to take place. Um, based in, and again, um, just take, I took you back to 2018 because I think, I think God used that time to allow me to have some sort of rapport and a relationship uh, with those people. And so they, they know me already and they trust me. They will come under, they will come under uh, Market Street Church. We will, again, it's, it's, not a, it's not a marriage. If you think about analogies, it's not a marriage. Um, it's, it's, it, is, it is an adoption. We're, we're the lead church. I'm the lead pastor. Um, and that's, that's, the, that's the scenario of what it is. Um, we do have, if you, again, I, because, I want to give you just a, a couple minutes to ask questions, but we do have um, something that you might be able to help you uh, with that. Do we have a frequently asked questions slide or uh, QR code? Okay, Q&A time. It's Q&A time, by the way, right now. Okay, so um, one church. So here, you can, you can just take a, if you have a, you know, open up your camera, you can kind of, and then you know, this will take you to um, some frequently asked questions about what this, what this is. What I'm trying to give you as much information that I can right now uh, in order for you to kind of get a better understanding of what this is. Again, I'm the lead pastor. Market Street Church is going to stay the same. Um, we, what, there's going to be a transition period. There will there'll be a transition period. Be, here, here's, here's why. Because if I asked you next Sunday to go to another building, you might have an issue with that. You might go, wait, what? I'm not meeting here. No, I want you to know. So I'm not going to ask them to do that either. For, so for a short window of time, I don't know exactly how long that will be. Maybe a month, maybe two, maybe three. There's going to be a transition period where I'm going to go over there and preach to them at 930. And then we're going to have a 1030 here. So this is important information for you to know. Next week, we are at 1030. We are going to start at 10.30. New gathering time is at 10.30, okay? That's, that's going to happen uh, next week, okay? So here's, here's what we, here's, here's the good, here's the, it's all exciting. I, I, to me, it's exciting. Hopefully, it's exciting to you. We also get another good man. He's a good man. He's, his name is Pastor Jason Bland. We, we get to um, have him as a part of our staff. Um, so I, I look forward to you to meeting Pastor Jason um, and his family um, so he's gonna, we're going to retain him as a, part of, as a part of our team, our ministry team here. So we're going to retain him in that way. And, we, and they're, and they're going to donate all of their assets and their building over to us as well. And so maybe you're thinking, two 
to build two churches in the same community like a, mi- a mile apart. This building will be our worship center. This will be our worship center. So we'll always have Sunday morning church here in this building, okay? Their building, which is only about a mile and a half down Pontiac Trail. Do we have a map of that? Okay, there you go. There you go. Um, so here's us, and here's where they are, okay? Um, so it's, you can see that it's not that far. So this, this will be what we call like our community center or our outreach center, Okay, so we'll use it. They, they have a good chunk of property, um, you know, a building and a good chunk of property that we're going to use to try to reach more people in our community. So it's going to be a community center, an outreach center. That's, that's what it, it's going to be primarily used for. But like I said, for the next month or two or maybe three, um, we're, they're still going to hold church services on Sunday morning at 930 and then, and then here at uh, 1030 okay but but eventually what's going to happen is is that um, I'm going to lead lead their people and then they're going to come over here I'm not sure exactly how many people that is we're we're praying for everyone that they have still left there to come and to and to join us our our family our family you understand it's it, it, it it's not us versus them it's all, all of us. We're one family, okay? One family. That, that's exciting, isn't it? That's exciting. We can clap at that. So we, we get, a, we get a, another pastor, okay? We get another pastor to, to help uh, carry the load. We get an, a, a people, people that are gonna be a part of our family, okay? And we get a, a, another facility building in the grounds, to steward, to steward for the gospel. That's what, we, that's what God um, potentially, again, you never know what can happen in these church votes. You just never know what can happen. But for right now, we're, gonna, we're moving forward with this belief and hope that it's something that they decide that this is what's best for them. And I believe it's something that could be good, really good, and will be good for us as well. Okay? Okay. Any, you, any questions? Kathy? Yeah, those that are watching online, Kathy said that we need to be praying for them. So thank you, Kathy. So yeah, um, please, please, do, please do that. As Kathy mentioned um, in, in her experiences, yeah, please, please be doing that. Please be praying for them. Any other, any other statements or questions? Okay, the, uh, Beth wants you to pray for me too. So those of you are watching online, yeah. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for that, thank you. Anybody else? Yeah, yeah. Let's amen, amen. So that's 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 what we're gonna do. We're gonna we're gonna. Yep, amen. So in order for this to work, in order for this to work, bond servants, we got to be open book, and let's be blessed. What do you say? In order for this to work, okay. All right. Somebody's calling. Somebody calls with a question. I mean, calls. I they're calling in. They're like, I've got a question. Yeah. Awesome. All right. All right. Lord, thanks so much for uh, each one here. Thanks for their heart. Lord, we're excited. We're excited what you have in store. God, we're just trusting, Lord, for them. We're believing in them. 
uh, Lord, that uh, you have a perfect plan for them. Lord, whatever happens, it's all in your hands anyways, and, and we're just, um, we're just, we just know that you have, uh, you have us in mind as a local church. You have them in mind as a local church. We, we get to um, be, the potential of being one family together, God, would, it would be exciting and thrilling. So stir, challenge hearts there. God, do a great work in here as well. Um, and, and God, we're excited what you have in store in the future. In Jesus' name, amen.